In June 2012, restaurant chain Penn Station announced that point-of-sale systems at a number of its franchise locations had been hacked and that credit and debit information, not pens, had been exposed. It was one of the first POS breaches to garner attention and was part of a turning point for retail payment security. Here, Craig Dunaway, president of Penn Station, joins me to discuss the nightmare of discovering that some 80 Penn Station locations had been breached and how his company has shored up security since then some three years later. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, Craig, you and I spoke quite a bit about Penn Station's breach when it was first discovered back in June 2012, and I was impressed with how forthcoming you were about the incident, what you knew and didn't know, and how you were handling breach response. I blogged about it back then, and I talked about how well I thought you handled media relations. I don't often have CEOs or presidents speak with me directly about security incidents. Since then, we've seen a number of POS breaches and the exposure of massive amounts of payments data, but at the time of your attack, POS breaches weren't really talked about that much. How was your breach discovered? Well, our breach was discovered through actually a uh, customer notifying us via email. We have a database of about 900,000 customers that you know they can access us through. They find that information, marketing and advertising support. But in addition, we have a fairly good line of communication with them if they have any questions or concerns. And we actually had a customer email us and indicated that their credit card may have been compromised and that they hadn't used it that much and they thought Penn Station may have been the potential source. They really weren't complaining in the email, they just wanted to give us a heads up. So Craig, once you learned of the breach, what steps did you take to notify franchisees and potentially impacted customers? Well, one of the first things we did, and I've said in, you know, in my career, there's probably been five phone calls I've made that have been very timely calls. And actually the first call I made was to our attorneys. And I felt like that through their security department, it's a fairly large firm based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, I knew that they would have the expertise to help us. And really, I didn't know at that point when one or two customer complaints had come in whether or not it was a potentially a major crisis or whether or not it was a credit card that had just been stolen at the restaurant level. In fact, when I was working with my IT guy here at Penn Station and he told me of the comment, we reached out to the restaurant and uh, we were aware of the transaction. The, the manager actually had researched and found out they were the one who had processed the credit card. So we eliminated an internal problem. And then we just sat back to see if anything else happened. And over the course of, a, frankly, just a couple of days, another customer complaint came in. And at that second customer complaint that came in, that's when I reached out to the attorneys. Craig, I mentioned in the introduction that point-of-sale breaches were actually taking place at this time, but they weren't really talked about that much. Did it ever cross your mind that this could have been some type of cyber attack? Not necessarily. You know, it was just, as you mentioned, back in 2012, it wasn't talked about as much. It just wasn't that big of an issue. Penn Station, you know, we're a regional company at the time, had about 250 restaurants, and frankly felt like that we were too small to have something like this happen. I think in hindsight, when I looked back at it fairly early on, what you wind up discovering is that, you know, in the cyber theft world, that people often look for, the criminals often look for the low-hanging fruit. So how did you work with banking institutions, such as your merchant acquirer or even card issuers, Craig, if at all, to isolate the breach? Well, I've got to tell you that I am a huge believer in, in communication. My management style is I would rather tell you something twice than you say you've already told me that. 
So first and foremost, what I did is we have a crisis management plan at Penn Station, and I gathered all of the senior leadership together. It was interesting because we had put this plan together about five or six years ago and review it about once a year, and I never thought I was going to have to pull it out for a credit card problem. But again, once I identified with the team here, look, this is potentially what's happened, and I said that uh, we're going to go out in front of with the franchisees and we're going to go out in front with the community at large and let them know what's going on. I think that after 26 years in business, Penn Station had a really good reputation, and I wasn't going to let a criminal element take charge of that and ruin it. And interestingly enough, early on in that conversations with our attorneys, I had some, I wouldn't call them heated debates, but I had some very strong debates back and forth about what we were going to do and what we weren't going to do and say. And I wanted to be on the aggressive side of going out to the consumers and the franchise community to let them know exactly what had happened. And, you know, being the attorneys and being somewhat more conservative in nature, they wanted me to be uh, a little more guarded than what I said. But I felt like ultimately we would be, I want to say we would be vindicated, but our consumers would, would appreciate and trust what we had to tell them because we were so upfront with the steps along the way. The last thing I would say about that is what I find is if you don't communicate, people are going to form their own opinions and they're going to reach their own conclusions. And, and I believe that you're better off to control that message with the facts than letting people extrapolate with conjecture. And that's why it was so important for me to communicate to the franchisees and through our customers, I mean, through our website. And when phone calls came in, I briefed our receptionist and one of our administrative ladies who happens to also answer the telephone and said, this is what we need to let the community know. And I think as a result of that, the consumers were, they didn't like having their credit card compromised, but they at least were, I think, pleased that we were forthright with them. I think you make some excellent points here, Craig, and I'd like to just kind of go back to review some of this a little bit. I think communication has been something that's varied from retailer to retailer when we look at some of the breaches. And of course, once you get the legal team involved, there obviously are some concerns about how much you disclose. In the wake of some of the recent retail breaches we've seen, we've noted that C-level executives have been held accountable for some of the compromises. The CEO of Target comes to mind. He stepped down after Target's breach. You didn't step down, of course. And do you think that it's fair then for boards to hold CEOs accountable? That's a good question. I mean, you know, the CEO is ultimately responsible for what happens within the organization. I'm not sure that I would specifically blame the CEO for anything like that. I think that that's a little bit unfair. You know, I think it winds up going back to the department and the systems and the controls that those individual departments have in place. You know, it's certainly the responsibility of the CEOs and the presidents to ask the right questions. But when you're in particularly a large organization, you know, you're going to have problems. And business is about managing risk and trying to reduce or minimize problems, but you cannot eliminate every problem that comes across the CEO's desk. And I think conversely, you can't blame a CEO for every problem. If it's cultural uh, and they're the ones who set the tone, I think that's different. But if it's a failure on the part of a system, and perhaps it's third party in that particular case, I think it's really difficult to point the finger specifically at the CEO, in my opinion. And CEOs today, of course, are more educated than they were, say, two to three years ago. How has your knowledge of cybersecurity changed, and do you think that education should be an ongoing process, and is it an ongoing process within your organization? 
Oh, I think it absolutely has to be an ongoing process because I believe that one of the problems is I think that ignorance is bliss. And my background actually happens to be public accounting and there would be occasionally I would get calls from clients asking if they could do something or I just did this and what are the ramifications of that. And it may have been something that the tax laws or auditing reporting requirements would not allow them to do. But up until the point that you explain that to that person, again, ignorance is bliss. They didn't know any better. And so I think from a CEO's perspective, it's critical to surround yourself with knowledgeable people who can intimately understand the dangers of a credit card hack. And it can become a monumental problem, as we've seen, as you just mentioned earlier, with Target and some of the other brands. I'd like to go back to the breach itself just briefly here. You and I have spoken recently about what happened at Penn Station, and you mentioned that malware was detected on the system, but that you never were really able to determine how the malware got in. Do you think if your breach were to happen today that the forensics team that investigated your breach would be able to figure out more? I don't think so. We spent a significant amount of of money at our level investigating this with uh, Verizon Forensics. It was one of the top three companies recommended in the, in the entire world. And they could not identify the specific source. They could identify the malware, but they could not identify how it was into our system and infiltrated. And they never could. They gave us a report and the conclusion was inconclusive. Craig, were all of your point-of-sale devices on the same network or system at the time of the attack? Each individual restaurant fed into something that we call Team Pen, and and really what it was used for, it was for reporting sales data, and it, it compiled the information for the individual franchise owner so that they could look at comparative reports and analysis within their respective organizations. And again, going back to Verizon, they could not trace anything into that system. Frankly, when we looked at it, we were hoping that the source could be identified. You know, if you can identify how they came in, then you can put the door on it and slam that. And in the end, after all the money and time that was spent on that, months and months, they could not reach any conclusion as to how it happened. Just from your own perspective, Craig, and what you know about cybersecurity today, do you think that your breach may have been linked to a third party or remote access vulnerability, which we read about and hear about so much more today than we did back in 2012? Well, at the time, I was involved somewhat with the Secret Service, and when you're not involved in this on a personal level like we were or we became, you don't pay that much of attention to it. And I know that I've gotten some calls from other executives about this, and what I've tried to do, you know, when they call and I'm always willing to take the call because I want to try to help them so it doesn't happen to somebody else, is to tell them that they need to be aware. And, you know, you need to be cognizant of this. Don't take your security for granted. From my perspective, the Secret Service early on indicated that they felt like it came from either Russia or North Korea or someplace like that. It never dawned on me that it it was something that could be so global. I mean, when it first happened and we only had one or two or five or 15 credit cards that were compromised, I had this vision of it being someone at a college dormitory or in somebody's basement. I found out particularly very early on how sophisticated this is and the black market for credit cards and what happens as a result of these credit card breaches. And that's true. The Penn Station attack or breach probably was linked to breaches at other organizations as well. You probably just didn't know it at the time. That's correct. And so, Craig, what lessons have you learned since your breach? Obviously, security has increased, education has increased, but what other lessons? 
You know, I think that there's no substitution for putting your point of sale system on what I would say is basically lockdown. Uh, we had a router system, which is basically it's kind of a security door to get in and out of the point of sale system or to get in and out of anything. And and we really turned up the type of router that we were utilizing. We worked with a third party organization. That's what they do for a living. And it's it's all they do is monitor the activity in and out through very, very sophisticated computer systems. And we do not allow email to be received or transmitted through the point-of-sale system anymore. And we've created a point-of-sale system, which is just that. It's a point-of-sale system. And, you know, candidly, I took some heat and pressure from the franchise community because the point-of-sale system was designed to do a lot of communicating and do things that, frankly, I won't allow it to do anymore. And at our annual meeting, I don't want to say our franchisees were up in arms. They just didn't understand it. And ironically, we've been somewhat vindicated because, as you mentioned early on, we were one of the first retailers to have a problem like this. And over the course of the next three or four years, I'm sure you could speak for the next 10 or 15 minutes about all the very, very large organizations that have had credit card compromises and things that we've put in place and won't allow franchisees to do today. And once this happened, were some of the things that the big companies were doing which allowed the hackers to get in in the first place. But I think that treating this as if it's ever evolving, this isn't static with the criminals. What you may have in place today may not work tomorrow. I guess it's not fair to say I would not rely on internal people. We went to a third-party expert because we didn't have necessarily the capability to do that 24-7. But it's so sophisticated anymore, I would describe it somewhat like medicine. The person who does brain surgery isn't always the same one who does heart surgery. And this is very sophisticated, and you need to rely on people who absolutely understand this, and they're trying to stay one step ahead of the criminals. Craig, what do you know today that you wish you had known during the time of your breach? I think I wish I would have known how sophisticated it is and how rampant it is. And I felt like because of our size that we just weren't in what I would call the wheelhouse of criminals to hack and try to gather credit card information from consumers. You know, I think that hitting the big companies that we've seen hit, I think is kind of a home run for the criminals. But I think on the smaller organizations, they can certainly gather a lot of data that can frankly disrupt a smaller organization probably more than it can disrupt some of the large ones. It may cost the big ones a lot more money. You know, they're publicly held companies and it wind up paying for it through the price of their stock. But from our standpoint, I, I wish we had spent a lot more time, I don't want to say educating our franchisees because we did. I wish that we would have educated them on the severity of this so they took it as seriously on their end. Because once it happened and once they understood the ramifications of this, you know, they changed significantly what they were doing as well and how they viewed this. And then, Craig, before we close, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience? I think I would finish with what I started with is I think that communication is the key to this. It's getting out in front with your attorneys and making sure they understand how you want this to be handled in the public and how you want it to be handled with your business partners and your franchisees because the information, again, it's going to flow. And I think that you're much better off running the organization to control that rather than letting the press control it or letting another third party control it. And I think, you know, you and I first spoke because you called me asking me about that. And I wanted you to know what was going on. I wanted the consumers to know what was going on. 
and I didn't want anybody to reach conclusions that may be false. So I would say it's the communication and working with the third-party experts to make sure you're doing exactly what you need to do. Well, Craig, as I've mentioned before, I always appreciate the fact that you've been so forthcoming, and I think that communication is definitely key here. And I want to thank you again for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you, Tracy. Again, we've just heard from Craig Dunaway of Penn Station. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.